Hello and welcome to yet another edition of the FVS podcast. I am Jason. I am your co-host coming to you from the confines of the Brunswick Sharehouse Studios, but inside my bedroom. It's just me tonight in the BSS. Uh, joining me on the phone, though, is the Chief Analyst of A Vuck's Sake, David. Dave, hello. How are you? Hey, Jace. Well, look, the uh, Australian political nation may have ground to a halt today, but for Vuck's sake, just keeps on fucking, mate. Yeah, we, we keep on fucking despite the fact that uh, some will call it the biggest upset in FFA Cup history on Tuesday night when we went to APLI Cart and uh, somehow fucked it up. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's not too much to talk about. That's why we didn't do, well, we didn't make uh, yourself and, and Buds, the man of the people, come in. Buds was going to join in on, on this conference call, but it didn't really work out technology-wise. Uh, but we still want to analyze this game. It was a bit of a disaster, but... Um, not much to talk about in terms of uh, of other things, so we just thought we'd do a, a phone podcast. But keen to get your thoughts, yeah. Dave, on on what transpired on Tuesday evening, and uh, does it mean anything really? It does. Uh, I've seen all manner of different views about the game, but ultimately, you know, we've been knocked out in the round of 16 against NPL opposition and miss out on a a chance of of silverware and miss out on a chance to see, you know, Keske Honda line up in the FFA Cup, you know, in in some real competitive matches leading up to the season. I've seen some people sort of go a bit overboard with the reaction. Um, Must get out. Hashtags already. Yeah, I think that just goes with the territory. Uh, it's a bit of a tradition that we have at the club uh, to do that. But um, look, we were beaten by a much better side on the night. That that is the nub of it. You know that they wanted it more. They chased everything down. You know, it was a the 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 match of their lives for for a lot of these players. Apart from some of the older lads who you know had made previous appearances in the A-League, like Franco Parisi, players like that. But this was a, an RPS side that have had you know, an excellent season in the NPL. They were determined to, to knock off the reigning champions. And, you know, this game meant everything to them. And unfortunately for, you know, the, the players that we put out on the park, uh, yeah, it didn't mean as much. And it showed because, you know, we, we barely got out of second gear. We... we sort of fumbled our way to to scoring twice. Uh, And it did appear for a moment there that we would somehow get a result or perhaps take the game to extra time. But Apia showed tremendous, tremendous courage to just find that third goal late on. Uh, And, yeah, here we are now, you know, a couple of months away from the season starting and we're just going to have friendly matches from here on in. There's always that risk of this happening, though, at this stage of the FFA Cup where the uh, the team, the State League team, who are you know, well and truly in their season towards the very end of their season, I think they just played their final uh, home and away season, or home and away game of the season uh, last weekend before or even maybe finals. Uh, it's always a chance of this happening and I think... There's a, an element of that, but also perhaps some of the, I guess, the attitudes of the players from Victory in particular were questioned, whether they were too complacent. Was it, did you see that? Did you think that it was more of an attitude or was it more simply that Apia 
uh, are far more advanced in you know their season and and uh, took advantage of a of a victory team that still is kind of getting into a bit of a rhythm. Look, I, I hate to not be a, not be in a position to give you a straight answer on this, but I think it's a combination of a lot of those things you just mentioned. I think. You know, there is something to be said about a team that, you know, is at the back end of the season. They're primed. People talk about fitness, but it's not just about fitness. It's togetherness in the squad as well and the chemistry that you develop over 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 the course of a season. So, you know, you combine that with the fact that it was a very makeshift Melbourne victory side with, with a, a striker up front, even though he got on the score sheet twice in the second half, Kenny Athew, you know, he is um, from the NPL and, and, you know, still has a lot of learning to do at, at the professional level. But, you know, the rest of the side was makeshift. We, again, you know, found Lee Broxham, and the centre of defence, our two fullbacks have only just joined the club. And, you know, Storm Rue, I thought, acquitted himself reasonably well, but they're both still learning the system under Musket and getting familiar with their teammates. Uh, I think that the, the critical thing here was the, the fact that our midfield, you know, barely stamped their control in the game at any point. Probably when we were chasing the game, they started to lift a little more, but... You expect players of the calibre of Antonis and in particular Troisi to, to be able to control the game. Uh, Costa Barbarousas, uh, I feel for him a bit because he was just battered from pillar to post during the game and you know wasn't able to really get any rhythm uh, during during the game. And, you know, that was obviously a, a clear tactic from Arpia to, to get under his skin because he was the most accomplished attacker that we had on the park by far. So they targeted him and it worked. So I think Arpia need to be applauded. Let's not forget, I mean, we're talking about our team and everything and, and, and the fact that we're out of the FFA Cup, but it is a tremendous result for them and it's it's the magic of the Cup. I'm, I'm happy for them and I, I you know hope they can knock out some more A-League opposition on their way through. Yeah, it's interesting how it works now. I think after this round of 16, there will be uh, only four A-League teams left. So there's a way to, to really rig it, um, if, if you believe the conspiracy theorists. And uh, I, I certainly do. That There's a way to rig the FFA Cup so that a State League team can now feasibly make the final. We know they can make a semi-final, the way the, way the draw's kind of uh, manufactured, but they could almost rig it. Uh, the FFA to actually have a state league yep. team in there. And I'd, I'd certainly fancy Apia. And um, I think also maybe even Bentley Green's closer to home to actually go pretty far in this tournament. So it was a, a pretty, actually a, across the the four different games on Tuesday night. It was actually a pretty thrilling kind of uh, night of goals and, uh, and action as well. Yeah, what you just talked about with the rigging of the draw and everything, uh, I'm going to put myself out on the line a little bit and suggest that this might be one of the final times that this kind of thing happens. There's the the bigger narrative currently looming over Australian football with all the governance issues and, you know, with Stephen Lowy on his way out, you know, there looks to be like we're in for some significant changes in the way the game is governed. And so, you know, the FFA Cup is now um, an absolute centrepiece of Australian football in, in terms of its capacity to link up you know the the member federation clubs with the a-league and 
you, you talked about how good the night was. It's terrific. It's a terrific product, and I think uh, Foxtel do an excellent job with their coverage. I mean, there's there's been some criticism about the way they deliver it, but I think by and large, it, it's it's extremely good product. Um, and yeah, look, I'm excited to see uh, one of these minnows make the final. I'm I'm well and truly on board the the Bentley Greens train right now and uh being my local club in in a manner of speaking so yeah i'm excited for how it might go and um hopefully yeah we see another upset i don't want to be the only uh big club in in australian football to fall prey to one of the minnows is it embarrassing the the loss on tuesday night were you what were your immediate thoughts once it actually kind of you know went down were you embarrassed by the fact that the reigning a-league champions have lost to a, a a state league team no, I don't think embarrassed is the right word. I think you've got to give credit to, to Arpia and 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 respect the the NPL level clubs and and let's not forget Arpia are a club with a great history themselves. There's, you know, there's there's a lot of pride at that club and their previous achievements. You know, in in the former National Soccer League, and I think. Embarrassed is not the word I'd go for. I think, as I sort of touched on, I think we were outplayed. They were the better side, much more, much more desire. And I think it's it's more that I think the the commitment to the cause, and and you combine that with the fact that the squad is still assembling, and you know that the fact that the bulk of our playing personnel is still sort of coming together, you know, and, and a couple of the key signings obviously not there as well. So all of those things combined, you know, when you look at the the bottom, let's say, six or seven players at any A-League club, they're all players that essentially, you know, uh, there's not a great big gulf of, in class between those players and the players that are getting around in some of the better mm. Uh, national Premier League competitions, in particular, obviously, New South Wales and Victoria. A lot of those players, you know, the, the better players in those competitions are certainly capable at the A-League level. And you combine that with a, you know, a team, a team effort that actually is, you know, combines that they played the perfect game against us. They 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 pressed and they harried us like all night and, you know, they got us a couple of times on the counter and then scored from a set piece. Uh <laughs> They, they executed their game plan perfectly and full credit to them. Yeah, I think so as well. And yeah, sometimes it's uh, you, you kind of forget that two victory players in the, the starting front third in Kenny Athew and Jai Ingham are, are pretty much state league players who've got A-league contracts. So um, yeah, there's not too much of a golfing class, especially at this time of season when we are trying out new things. Uh, I did mention before that on social media, the musket out hashtags have already started. Now, we are certainly uh, no strangers to those hashtags ourselves. You know, last year, we probably did call for Kevin Musket's head before um, he pretty much asked his way into a championship win in the final four weeks of the season. But the the discontent is back. And, you know, it's it's hard to be mad at Kevin Musket. It, it, you, be critical of Kevin Musket at your own peril because he will make you look like a fool as he did to us last season. But you still can be critical. Uh-huh. You can still be critical despite the fact that he did win a championship for Melbourne Victory. And there were some, I guess, some moves or lack thereof um, from Kevin Musket on Tuesday night that did leave some of us scratching our heads. Uh, certainly the fact that there weren't, uh, once again, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of movement 
off the subs bench until very late on in the piece. And I think one of our first moves was uh, bringing on Nick Ansel for Jai Ingham in the 86th minute. Um, when we're two, when we're actually when we're you know three two down. It seemed like a, a silly move and one that was hard to fathom. Uh, and then also Josh Hope and another shining light for Melbourne Mitria, a real star of the future, didn't really get a chance until the last uh, last you know moments of the game. Yeah, and you're not going to impact a game with you know three or four minutes on the park. Mm. And Josh Hope, Josh Hope, the position that he plays, he needs some time to bed in. As we saw in that game against Perth Glory, he got the start, and even he wasn't dominant on the ball to begin with. But you could see as the game evolved, Josh Hope on the ball and and some of the turns he was making, and you know the pass led to the only goal of the game for Costa Barbarossa. So he, he's that sort of player that you, you know you need time to to. I guess blend in on the park, and even just that, for more it's, than three or four minutes. It's it's a glorified preseason game in a sense. This is a chance to try new things and and put players, especially young players, in a position like the one we were at when at the stage, you know, probably about sixty minutes when we were two one down. And there's a there's a chance for for Josh Hope to come on and make an impact. And it just seemed like you know Kevin Musket once again trying trying to go all in on his starting eleven without really having a plan B and it's, it's, it's funny. That's the same old stuff. And, you know, if it feels weird, you almost, it's you know sacrilegious to, to say anything because you won a championship last year, but this, yeah. the same old, you know, flaws are still, are still evident in regards to his coaching. I really want to know. Um, and I, I'd love it if one of our listeners would have any info on this. What's the sort of prize money uh, you know, apart from the trophy itself, what what is there that the club or you know any you know the winner of the FFA Cup receives by way of you know, monetary reward or something like that? I, I want to. We have a bit of a reputation at the club of sort of you know perhaps not prioritising certain competitions. You know, back in the early days, we didn't really try that hard in Asia, and that was obvious through some of the attitudes we saw from both. Ernie Merrick and captain at the time, Kevin Musket. Yeah. I wonder if the FFA Cup is sort of viewed as not a priority and we're building towards the season and, of course, the Asian Champions League. It's not my way of sort of deflecting from what happened. It, I just wonder that, you know, I've been thinking about that as a, as a potential reason or you yeah. know, as to why things panned out the way they did. Maybe it's just not worth it. And well, look, Dave, Dave, any, while you're talking, yes. I looked that up and I can go through it with you right now. Um, and it's not, it's not great. Yeah, that, that's brilliant. The total prize pool. Now this is at the FFA cup. So the idea is that every club in Australia enters this competition. The total prize pool across the entire competition in total is $131,000. And the way that's split up is you get $2,000 if you're eliminated in the rounds of round of 16. So Melbourne victory on Tuesday night, uh, won $2,000, which uh, is probably not even enough to cover the uh, the meals at the hotel at, uh, at Leichhardt on, uh, overnight on Monday or Tuesday at lunchtime. The quarterfinalists get five thousand if you're knocked out in the quarterfinals. Semifinals ten thousand. The runners-up get twenty-five thousand, and the final winner gets five hundred thousand. So, oh, sorry, my mistake. Five, Fifty thousand. Oh. So, yeah. 
so, um, so not worth it. Peanuts, yeah. peanuts, yeah. And so that 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 tells me that I think the club, when it comes to priorities, I'm not saying that is the reason, but I'm saying that you know the club's probably of the view that you know it's not a priority. But having said that. Um, you know, Beanhead, as he always does after a game, put together a pretty good post, and he you know, made the he brought the caps lock out, and he's like, the season is still two fucking months away. Yeah, um, that that is the case. It is two months away, but I think you know the expectations at the club are that you know we should be able to uh, defeat a side like Arpia. We didn't on the night, and that's. That's we're just going to have to accept that. But um, yeah, look, I wouldn't at any stage. He's right in the sense that we there is no need to be concerned or any sort of knee jerk reactions to this. It really was a glorified preseason match. Yeah. Uh, having said that, we're Melbourne Victory and we like to win every competition we're in. So you've got to counterbalance that with the reality of the club that we are and the expectations that fans have. I'm just trying to look up the prize money for actually winning the A-League title. I don't – I think from memory, just in uh, comparing it to the AFL, I, I know that the AFL is probably only about 500000 so prize money is never really huge in Australian sports. I'm trying to find the A-League one, but I can't find it. I uh, also want to talk to you about our marquee man, um, not Honda, the other one, uh, Mr. Baldhead James Teresi Q-Ball. Uh, a lot of vitriol on the on the com forums about James Teresi. And you mentioned it earlier that uh, the midfield just wasn't there on Tuesday night and James Teresi is a very pivotal part of that midfield. And we're going to probably just, you know, go over it over and over this season, but it's just, it's so frustrating to watch. And maybe he does, as a result of Honda coming into the, the, the squad, maybe he does need to change up a position to uh, to have perhaps go out on the left wing because right now he is uh, almost a liability for us in, in the midfield. Yeah, after your scathing player review at the end of last season, I'm pretty sure, you know, you must have heard that, Jace, but um, he hasn't reacted all that well. <laughs> Look, um, I, I was watching him pretty closely um, on Tuesday night and I could see, you know, he was playing that sort of floating attacking midfield role and he was drifting out to the left and everything, but he he is now at the point, you know, where he doesn't have the the pace to beat players off a step. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, the player that's been able to really do that in the A-League, you know, last season in particular, Arzani, you know, off, off one step, they're able to draw away a defender and, and you know, perhaps even um, another defender and, and, and create space for themselves and, and then create an opportunity through a cross or a through ball. And, and, and what, what you find with James is that, you know, he gets the ball and you know, he does, doesn't quite know, you know, he doesn't have any much, a great deal of forward motion with, with, with him, um, you know, and you see there was a couple of times he loves those little dinks into the box, those sort of, and and I think, you know, that, that kind of tactic can, well, you know, that kind of pass can work with a guy like Barisha leading the line or a striker that's able to really hold off defenders and, and bring the ball down and, 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 and then distribute. But, um, yeah, I, I understand the angst and it's deserved. I, I want to touch on the whole marquee discussion. I've heard some pundits talking about the marquee status and, and I've heard you know people say, oh, Kevin Musket is poised to sign a marquee striker. Yeah, I heard that's that. The language, that's the language that's being used, that, that 
the striker that's on their way is a marquee striker. Now, we don't use that word marquee in, in its literal sense um, when talking about the A-League. We, we always mean it to be the player that is paid outside of the cap. Yeah. Now, unless it's just not public knowledge about Troisi and you know the fact that we've been rabbiting on about it for what you know, nearly 12 months that you know this whole see this season was him moving under the sorry outside of the cap we still don't know that for certain yeah and you know it could be obviously Honda now is is the number one marquee but you know who's to say that um, the pending arrival of this you know, new striker it doesn't necessarily mean that James is the marquee player. I, I really, yeah, I'm not sure sure what Kev is going to do with him because, as I said, if you put him out on the left, you know, you you want a player that can actually you know beat players and 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 be able to hug hug the touchline, much like Leroy did occasionally, cut inside and and be able to create chances in that way as well. Um, yeah, it's pretty grim, and it's 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 staggering just how how much he seems to have dropped off in ability in this past sort of 18 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we were, when it, you know, the Asian Cup winning goal, you know, he was at the peak of his powers. He's not even 30 yet, is he? He's, what, 29, 30? Yeah, I he's, think. So, he's pretty much, yeah, close to 30, but not not quite there. I think maybe 29. I think he's yeah, born in 88, see, so, yeah. I just, yeah, I don't think you – I think at 30 you're still very much, you know, a player that can – yeah, beat players and and, yeah. and do what's required. But yeah, I, I really I really worry about him. Um, and look, I hope he proves me wrong. I hope he proves you wrong. Uh, but yeah, that 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 game of his was pretty poor. I'm just having a look here. The A League salary cap is two point six million dollars. Um, I think yeah, that's yep. I haven't heard of any updates. So I'm trying to think of who else would be on Bitcoin at in the squad within you know obviously Honda's not part of the that salary cap. I'm trying to think of who else would be on big money because we've lost Bessart. So we've lost uh, Reese Williams, who would be on Bitcoin, and then replaced him with, with Gorge, who I don't know, would be commanding huge coin, maybe similar. Uh, we, Valeri got a, probably a downgrade on, downgrade on his contract. He would have been earning big money before he signed a new one-year deal. So I'm trying to think of who else would be on huge money within that squad, and surely it, it, there's enough you know, to fit James Teresi inside that salary cap. There might be some manoeuvring, but yeah, surely that's uh, there's something that we can do. Yeah. So your you, well paid players in the squad now would be Costa Barbarusas, Lawrence Thomas would have got a pay rise, no mm-hmm. doubt about it, with the, his new contract. Um, and you know, then I think you know, Carl Valeri would still be on reasonable coin. He you know he wouldn't have gone on for he wouldn't have accepted a huge pay cut. Yeah, so if, if he received one at all. Um, so just just doing the quick maths on that, two point six million divided by a squad of uh, twenty three. Actually, I should, well, you'd have two players outside that, so a squad of twenty one. So that bumps it up probably to around about one hundred twenty, hundred thirty thousand average player. And then you've got some players like Kenny Athew and Jai Im that wouldn't be earning anywhere near that. Uh, and then a few of the the youth team players. So. Oh. Kenny Athew and, and Jai would be, you know, uh, probably, you know, 80 or 90, you'd think, each Maybe. or thereabouts. Um, you know, and then your, your junior players, you know, your Josh Hopes of the world and your 
Sete and Kedar, who are now part of the the salary cap. Let's not forget that. You know, they will make up the sort of the bottom four to five players, as well as the uh, other keeper, uh, Sutton, I, felt, yeah. I believe. So, and Matt Acton would be on a hundred k ish, you'd think as well. So, yeah, it's 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 interesting because you know you, anything once a player gets up to that. Four to five hundred k, which I believe, say, Reese Williams would have been on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's when that's when it's a large chunk of of the of the cap because you know as you've just done the sums very quickly, you know, based on the average, that's what you know about three or four players worth of, of wages if, if you, in terms of the equal distribution of that twenty one. I, I I have um, confidence that. You know, perhaps this talk of a marquee striker is is legit. Yeah. Um, and you know, we need to get a wriggle on now. Yeah, we, there is two months to go, but um, you know, the whole squad needs to start uh, playing together. How how he's going to integrate Honda into this squad is interesting because mm. yeah, you can't you, you can't see Antonis losing his spot. You still need a defensively orientated mill. A midfielder, whether that's Valeri or a player yet to come, who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I worry about the left side. Um, you know that that Leroy George has left out. I, I don't think Choice is suited to it. You know, unless as we sort of talked about last week, unless there's some plan to perhaps tweak the system a little bit. But we we keep seeing the same formation rolled out so far, and the two games we've had to to observe so yeah, yeah. i have interesting I have, times ahead i have confident kevin musker for the first time in a while during an off season because you know always seems to be the case that we are a little bit uh we, we delay our signings and it takes a little while before we get our, our full squad integrated into a into a system and then it uh, has a bit of a drawback because the the first few games of the season in particular the, the last two seasons when we got a, a high amount of new players in and it takes a while to adjust and you, you start to lose the first few games then you start behind the eight ball and then you've got an Asian Champions League campaign to contend with. It does get a little bit uh, a little bit tight in the first opening rounds of the season trying to get a new squad to gel together. But I've got confidence in Kevin Musket this time. I'm, uh, I'm trusting the process. Yeah. Trusting the process this trust time. Trust the process. Hashtag trust the process. Look, I, I, I'm, I'm not worried at all. Um, two months is, you know, it's eight weeks. There's plenty of time. Um, and you need to also just have a look at the re- across the rest of the league. The rest of the league are in a similar position. You know, they're, they're still, you know, Sydney are rebuilding completely. They signed CMD on today, um, which is a big signing on loan from... Looks good, yeah. ...from the Netherlands. Yeah, look, he, he's an extremely accomplished player. Um, and they have their... Bobo replacement in uh, Lafondre, who used to get around in the Premier League for a couple of clubs, but is sort of fallen off the map a little bit. But definitely a good player for for this level. Mm-hmm. Um, a, apart from that, you know, the, the other squads are still kind of getting their shit together as well. No one's you know completely locked away at this point. It's going to be a a fascinating eight weeks between now and the end of the season. I'm sure every day we'll be refreshing the Twitter feed for that bit of news. Hopefully we get some news come our way that we can 
launch off as a victory secret before it actually gets out there. But yeah. um yeah, it's um yeah, I'm not panicking at all. Um I'm disappointed to have been booted out of the FFA Cup, but uh yeah, we, we move on. Yeah, so I think there's a few uh high um high profile Friendly matches coming up against uh, Brisbane Roar, I think, at Morewell and then Western Sydney Wanderers at Ballarat. So that should keep the punters happy in the interim uh, during the off-season. Yeah, still two months ago, it is a bit of a shame that we were knocked out of the FFA Cup so early because, uh, especially from a podcast point of view, there's not too many games to talk about apart from those you know, untelevised friendly matches, which is you know sometimes difficult to get to depending on where they are. Uh, not much else is going on in victory terms at the moment. We're just waiting, obviously, on those signings. New kits are coming out, Dave, next week. They're going to be revealed on the 31st. Are you, are you excited about the new kits? Oh, couldn't really care less. Shows <laughs> um, enthusiasm, more concerned, please. More concerned with the football on the park than I am the aesthetics. I'm not so much of a kit nerd, as uh, listeners will know. Um, but, look, it's... it's um, I, I think um, the FES trio should make uh, an effort to try and get out to one of these uh, friendly games. Another one has been announced. If you haven't already heard, uh, VAC fans, there's a game coming up in Morwell, um, which is obviously an old heartland of the the, the old National Soccer League, the Morwell Falcons, um, over at the Latrobe City Sports and Entertainment Stadium. Melbourne Victory taking on Brisbane Raw. The famous and, uh, Latrobe Entertainment Sports Stadium. The famous Latrobe Entertainment Sports Stadium. Yes, the, the hallowed, the hallowed <laughs> turf of uh, Gippsland out there. This game will be on Saturday, September 1. So that's not this weekend, but the next. Just... And kickoff is at 2.30 p.m. Uh, $10 for adults and $5 for children or concession. And if kids are under 13, they get in free. I think um, Morwell is uh, a- classified as a Team 11 catchment area these days. I think they're claiming Morwell. It's very, very um, southeast, um, but they're claiming it. Um, yeah, so it's it's definitely, yeah, deep southeast. And I'm sure Matty Winley will be hovering around the uh, the victory game, probably oh, handing out the audacity of the bloke. He went to a <laughs> he went to a tournament, a junior tournament that was um, named after the victory. I think it was like the victory tournament, and he went around um, there. I think it was like last weekend or the weekend before, handing out Team Eleven stickers. The audacity of the man! He's like a um, a hawker. He's like a solicitor. Like what am I saying? Um, those people that uh, that badger people to uh, to sign up to things. Wow. He's, uh, Dead, deadline day is coming for all the the whole expansion business and um, the arrival of the um, western suburbs or whatever they're called, you know, with Steve Horvat and Lou Sticker behind it. Yeah, making some inroads as well. Those and, are the you know, um, South Melbourne as well. Wogs in high places is is how I define the uh, or describe the Western Sydney, uh, so Western Melbourne bid, and I'm I'm getting nervous because I really want Matty Winley to succeed and and uh, get his team eleven bid over the line. Yep. So I'm I'm got my fingers crossed, but yeah, the um the the big the big ticket men of uh, the Western Melbourne group are, are starting to make some noise. So I think it's it's going to be out of those two, and I'm going to say you know, obviously someone in Sydney, probably that that Wollongong or South Sydney, but I'm not sure what's going on with South Sydney in the moment. There seem to be changes and um, formations and mergers of bids and things like that. I'm not sure what's going on, but uh, I think it's going to be definitely a Melbourne team, one of those two, and uh, one of those uh, Sydney teams. Yeah, look, uh, I hope so. And, I, you know, we need expansion 
yesterday. You know, and it just has to happen. I'm, I'm a bit concerned about all this governance malarkey and how that might affect the whole expansion bid process. Who knows what's going to happen as a result of whatever FIFA's decision ends up being. And, you know, all this hard work that people like Matt Winley have gone and undertaken, uh, hopefully it's not all for nothing. Hopefully we see two new, at least two new A-League teams in the 2019-2020 season uh, and then another two after that. And then, you know, we can start to hopefully build along along the lines of uh, other other parts of the world and, you know, perhaps we might see a second division in the in the medium or longer term and, and you, know, you know, start to really capitalise on the fact that football is, you know, the number one participated sport in the country and, you know, that the A-League really needs to start to tap into that reality. Yeah, absolutely. So, Dave, I think we'll leave it there. We've uh, got a fair amount of uh, time out of that one, almost 33 minutes, so not too bad at all. Uh, I'm not sure when we're going to be back for a podcast. Uh, I would like to get to the Ballarat game, um, but I'm not too sure when we'll be back for a podcast. I might try and get a few uh, interviews lined up with uh, some prominent figures and maybe do a bit of a different spin on FPS rather than game reviews and, and then, I guess, maybe just do some in-depth interviews with someone. I might try and get that organised over the next few weeks so there is some more content during the uh, the barren, I guess, run that we're about to embark on over the next two months before we get into the serious stuff. Yeah, yeah, and listeners might be keen to know that we had a, a bit of a planning session on the weekend that mm-hmm. probably turned into more of a drinking session than it did a, a planning session, but we've got some interesting ideas that have sort of been canvassed uh, some exciting new developments, hopefully, that fans might get around, a couple of video ideas and a few things like that. So, yeah, it's going to be a, an exciting season in the A-League. We've got an Asian Champions League. Don't get down in the uh, doldrums, people, as a result of this loss. Uh, there's a mm. lot a lot to come. Um, more signings, Asian Champions League, as I said, Kesuki Honda, um, and, yeah, look, I think we're in for an exciting season. And then, look, the other clubs are ramping up as well with some of their signings. I think it's, yeah, it's going to be tremendous. Most certainly. And, uh, yes, yeah, some big, big announcements coming. Stay tuned. Mm. All right, Dave, we'll um, catch up with you soon. Thank you for coming on. Always a pleasure, Jace. Talk to you soon. Goodbye.